A lot of people, when reading the Book of Mormon, get to Second Nephi and start to read the words of Isaiah and then either get bogged down and don't finish or else skip quickly through the words of Isaiah without paying much attention. Why would God write almost word for word the words of Isaiah in two places? This is Reading Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon. We're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we're glad that you would join us today. Andrew, why would Nephi take the time to do that strenuous exercise all over on the small plates of Nephi? It's a good question. It doesn't seem like uh, there's much that's different between the two. No. So it does kind of seem like a waste of Nephi's time. The brass plates were written in what language? Some kind of Egyptian. Okay, they were written in some kind of Egyptian. Could most of the people at that time read Egyptian? Probably not. Probably not. But Nephi could read Egyptian. In Mosiah chapter 1, 3, and 4, it indicates that he was taught in the language of the Egyptians by his father. I think Nephi really felt it was important to share this message that he read in Isaiah with his children. And so he took the time to tediously translate the brass plates from Egyptian into the Nephite language so that his children and his great-grandchildren on down through the centuries would be able to read the words of Isaiah. He felt they were that important that he wanted to share it with them. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I do think that it was really important to him We also know that the Savior himself, when he was talking with the Nephites, he says, read the words of Isaiah. And so Isaiah's writings are really important for us, but also for those Nephites in Nephi's time. And I think to emphasize that, we can read the words, many of the words of Isaiah, both in the Old Testament and in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. So why did Mormon decide to include those writings when he was compiling it? Mormon was abridging the record of the Nephites. He had taken the large plates of Nephi in order to make an abridgment. But then, as he finished his writings, he discovered a second set of plates, which was the record of Nephi written on the small plates of Nephi. And he decided that he would include that record. He didn't touch it. He didn't abridge it at all. He recorded it exactly. In fact, he didn't record it at all. He just attached it onto the end of the uh, plates that he turned over to his son. So he didn't mess with the uh, words of Isaiah at all or any of the words, other words of Nephi. So we ended up with just an unabridged record of Nephi's along with the abridgment that Mormon compiled. That's correct. Now that we have these writings, we could say it's not really Mormon who chose to to, to give us this second version of Isaiah. It might not have even have been Nephi who chose to give us this. It's more that God wanted us to have this. That's exactly right. So we have that second reinforcement, both in the Old Testament and in the Book of Mormon. And we know those words of Isaiah are vitally important. So we're not going to get into discussing all the interpretations of Isaiah. And we're not going to pretend that we know all the interpretations of Isaiah either. Right. But we wanted to discuss how we can learn from Isaiah, because I think it's very similar to the parables of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus always taught in parables because he did not intend everyone to understand 
He wanted people to work at getting the interpretation of the parable. Yeah. And I think it's a great way of teaching because if you have to work, it becomes more personal. It becomes something that you have almost taught yourself. You've learned something that you deeply understand instead of just hearing someone explain something and, and having it go in one ear and out the other. It's it's now almost a part of you. Yes, and, and I think that then when you go back and review the things that you've learned, there's such reward in in realizing, now I understand what that's all about. <laughs> and then when you review it the second time, it's amazing how additional insights come to you so that it's a constant process yeah. with reviewing the parables of, of learning. When Jesus would teach in parables, they were stories. And so I'm sure people would listen to the story and think, you know, this is an entertaining story, but what does it mean? There's got to be some kind of deeper meaning to this. Sometimes they consulted with each other and said, this is what I think he meant. What do you think? Well, yeah, I thought he was referring to this. And so they would confer with each other and talk yeah. about what that could possibly mean. And we do the same thing, right? Right. When we are at church in our gospel principle lessons, right after we've all read over some scriptures, we get together and we have these discussions and we say, what do you think this meant? And we explain it maybe to each other in the ways that we understood it. And so I think that's kind of how the disciples work too. Where they listen to what he had to say and then they talk to each other about it. They all gave it their own thought process. But one of the greatest ways that they were able to understand the parables of Jesus was to actually turn to him because he was right there with them. And they said, now you explain it to us. What does this mean? This is what we understand. Are we right? Are we correcting what we think? No, that's not what I was referring to. Yeah. Let me explain to you what I meant. We can still do that today. And I think that's, hopefully you're doing that. But if not, sometimes I forget to do that. I forget we can go right to the source of these teachings, the principles of these prophets or of Christ himself, and we can ask, what does this mean? Particularly in Isaiah, where it's so difficult to understand. If we think of Isaiah as not just being a book that has all these stories in it, but if we think of it as being a giant sequence of parables... Yeah, There are all these little insights that are just waiting to be discovered. And we can take those insights and say, now, what do you think? What was Isaiah referring to here? This is what I think. But then you talked about the other. We go to Heavenly Father and we ask him, we say, help me to understand this. And if we have faith that we can get that answer, just as the disciples didn't really need faith when they asked Christ. They, they knew he was there. They knew he was there. But I guess there's a certain amount of faith that they had that he would be able to answer that. Right. And if we have faith and we say, I know that you can answer this. I know you can tell me this. Help me to understand it. And then we go back. Because for me, I don't actually hear a voice explain something to me right then. But as I go back over that scripture that I didn't understand and I start to break it down, it's amazing how when I ask, it's given. <laughs> and you ask and then you open your mind. Yeah. So that's not just asking and assuming that you know the answer, but ask, open your mind, and then as you reread and restudy and re-examine, then it's amazing the insights that will be poured out upon your mind as you think, so that it's, it's almost like being taught by the Savior personally. Yeah. So that's an amazing reward that you can get from reading the scriptures, that I think that, that it is a process. You know, like you said, there's times when you go back and you learn even more. Or when you go to church and you talk to other people, 
Other people can give you insights that maybe you didn't get as well. But if we're not asking, and if we're only searching by turning to other people and saying, how do I understand this? We're going to miss out on Oh, we'll miss out on the, on the real answer to those questions. Yeah. And I think, for some reason, God loves puzzles. Mm-hmm. I think he gives us these things. Mysteries. Yeah, for us not just to find an easy answer, though this is what it means, but we have to dig. We have to study and talk to others and really dig into these things. And then, after we can't figure it out, we can then go to the source. Yeah. One day, my son James, he was a little boy. He was about two years old, maybe three. And he had one of those, uh, the sphere that has the different shapes that you put the the blocks in. And he was sitting there playing with this game, and he had a square little cube and he's trying to fit it into a circle or something <laughs> and he kept on trying different places and he couldn't figure out how to get it in there and so i was sitting there watching him and he turned and he tried to hand it to me and he tried to say you do it you do it for me <laughs> so i didn't want to do it for him but i showed him how it worked i put it in one and then i handed it back to him and let him try again and, and then when he finally figured it out and he got it in there he went oh yeah and he celebrated and i, I celebrated with him I think that's a little bit like parables. I think if God just gave us everything, we would be missing out on an opportunity to learn. And by giving us these parables and these mysteries and having us search and ask for help, we can actually learn things that we wouldn't be able to learn otherwise. And so we have the book of Isaiah, which again is a long sequence of mysteries that we can study, we can talk to others, but then we need to go to the source and say, Now, I've done this. Help me understand what it really means. Thanks for listening. We hope that you enjoy the podcasts. And the next time that we meet, we will talk about who are the ites. Until then, enjoy your reading.